We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We honor you in this place, Lord. We honor you in this place. Jesus, you get all the glory, Lord. You were the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You receive all our praises. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for ransoming us by the blood and transferring us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your Son that you love. Thank you for all that you have done for each one of us here. And thank you for what you'll continue to do. We love you, Lord Jesus. And everything of who we are today is because of you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. Beautiful worship, amen? amen. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, can I have the microphone? Uh, Mary, have the microphone. Thank you. How are you all today? Good. Very good? I'm good, thank God. Who's ready for today? Amen. amen. Who wants to hear a testimony today? Thank you, Jesus. Where, where is she? Turn hmm. uh, where is she hiding? Ah, come, please. Hallelujah to Jesus. Today I have a testimony uh, to glorify our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. I think we've changed the way we represent Him and the way we carry the gospel. It's not what you know, it's who you know. When you know Him, He comes alive. And uh, this is our lovely sister in the Lord, Helen. Um, Helen, if so what's your name, brother? What's your name? Noah. Noah. No Noah's Ark? Huh? Are you Noah's Ark? <laughs> He's been harassing me for the microphone. So, so I asked her to um, get up and share what she saw. Uh, how many weeks ago? Four? Uh, it's been nine weeks now. No, since we went there. Yes, uh, not even. Four weeks. Yeah, yeah. Four weeks, yeah. yeah. So, if you don't mind, can you share the testimony about your son? Yeah. Um, I'm not a very good public speaker. Yeah, I'm neither sorry. am I, neither am I. Trust <laughs> <laughs> me. Uh, I'm more shy than you. Can you take the notes? Yeah. So. <laughs> I'll keep it really short. <laughs> so, if you don't mind, yeah. um, the second testimony, a little bit of detail, so they can, if you don't mind. Yeah, yep. about the issues. The There's so many issues. In yeah, we'll, life we'll talk. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, when the when the when the the Arabs come for a, like a prayer list, this is what they come with. 
my back, my shoulder, my ankle, my this one. <laughs> so I like to give glory to Jesus Christ today. Because everything we are today, it's not about, the, uh, well, it, it is really his, his name. It's to give glory to Jesus Christ. Every testimony that I've seen since I got saved, I like to give Jesus Christ the glory. So if you don't mind the first testimony. Yeah, you share it openly. So, um, I met Rab six years ago. I actually went to school with him. Uh, I was a little bit older than him, not that much, just a little bit. And I had uh, trouble falling pregnant. How many years? uh, We tried for six years. If he wants to share, he can share too. And um, soon, soon. So, we... uh, went through IVF and we tried for six years and uh, after the seventh round um, I said that was it I couldn't do it anymore and it was taxing on myself and my marriage and I didn't really have a relationship with God I, I you know you go to Catholic schools you, you're brought up in religion I didn't know anything so uh, my cousin at the back Elaine uh, said to me there's someone I want you to meet and I was quite sarcastic about it. I'm like, great, who? Who, a miracle doctor? Bring him. I, I think I've seen everyone. So she brought Rabi and um, we were at my parents' house. And he came and he prayed over. He prayed over me and he prayed over my family. And, you know, he just looked at me and he goes, you know, the Holy Spirit showed me that you will have a, a son. Do you remember that? Mm. Yeah. And I did. And my last round of IVF worked. And now I have a five and a half year old, thanks to Jesus Christ. So, yeah. Yeah. That was my first testimony. My second testimony. Um, Back in 2016, my dad had quadruple bypass. And my background is a nurse. I've been a nurse for about 22 years. So, I've seen everything. Uh, That was really good. And he was really good for a very long time. And then... In October last year, he ended up with an infection and they didn't know where. So he ended up in hospital, came home with, um, you know, some medications. He was okay for two weeks and then he was back again. And they told us that he had a urinary tract infection. So they took him home. We took him home with a, a tube to help him pee. And probably by about day five, he was telling us, I feel like my body's poisoned. He kept complaining and none of us listened to him. And then uh, by the second week, he was in hospital for sepsis, so his blood was poisoned. And he was in there for a week and they were looking after him and they kept saying to me, Helen, it's his age. And I said to them, he's 87. I said, but you don't go from being independent, mowing the lawn, driving a car, jackhammering, to not knowing who your family is. He didn't know who we were. Um, He stopped eating. He lost a lot of weight. Um, Then they diagnosed him with dementia. And then they diagnosed him with pneumonia. And then they said to us, you just have to take him home. There's nothing else we can do. We don't know where the infection is. It's somewhere, but he's 87. You know, go and enjoy your time with him. And I lost my mind. I just... I couldn't accept it and I honestly felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me there is something hiding in his body 
something is hiding in his body. We took him home a week later. I get a phone call at 1.30 in the morning from my sister. She said, you need to come. Dad's been taken to hospital via ambulance. His blood is poisoned again, but they want you to come and say goodbye. We need to go and make some decisions. You have to come make some decisions. We can't make them on our own. So 1.30 in the morning, um, off I go. Um, I get to ED and I've never seen my father in that state, ever. It was like he was gone. He was gone. And they were all standing around his bed and I was yelling at them, you've got to get someone to come and look at him. There's something wrong with him. And they just said to me, you know, these are decisions you're going to have to make now. Nobody was listening. No one was, you know, he's just a number. He's 87. So he went, ended up in a high dependency and he continued, just gradually got worse. And in that week, he continued to lose weight. He continued to lose his mind like it wasn't my dad. And then I went to sleep and I remember someone saying to me, you need to get him out of there. You need to get him out of there. I can still remember that voice. So the next morning I woke up, 8 o'clock in the morning I was there and I said to them, you are going to transfer him today. You're going to take him somewhere else. I want him gone by this afternoon. So with a lot of arguing back and forth, we got him there. And within four hours of moving him, they uh, diagnosed my dad with a condition called endocarditis where he had an infection. He had an infection for four months and it had eaten away at his heart. And that was the one place they didn't, they didn't look. Not only had it eaten away at his heart, um, it ate away at his valve that they put in and uh, all the wires of his pacemaker were infected. So they said to us, doesn't look good. Um, six weeks, we'll give him six weeks. So make the most of the six weeks. We put, they ended up with lines in his, in his arm, into his heart, giving him antibiotics, antibiotics, almost done, almost done. You can have it in a minute. You can have it, I promise. Um, take him home and make him comfortable. Um, so we took him home. Um, but before that, uh, Rabs and Jared, um, I, I, I didn't know what to do. I felt like it was just out of my control. Um, I, called, I messaged Rabi and then I called him and I said to him, you need to come because they've just ridden my dad off, you know, that this is it. I, I don't know who else to turn to. So Rabs did come and Jared came along and he prayed on him and he prayed on him and he prayed on him. And then dad started to get a little bit stronger. And then he started to get a little bit stronger. And they'd send him down for tests for his heart. And they, they would say, he's got a hole in his heart. But his heart's beating really strong. We don't... And I remember them standing there and they were just... They didn't, they didn't have an answer. Take him home, they said. Make him comfortable. So he came home three weeks ago. Came home three weeks ago. And then this week, uh, we had to take him to Wollongong for a follow-up with the same doctors that said to us, six weeks. He's got about six weeks. So they ran some bloods ran some tests, and then they brought another doctor in and another doctor in 
and they stood there and they, they couldn't understand what they could see with this man that's walked in. It was like a different person and they said, your father has a hole in his heart. But we don't, what we don't understand is how the flow of his blood around his heart is reversed the other way. And that's what saved him. So that can't happen. That's what saved him. Not only that, they... Yeah, praise the Lord. Um, they couldn't understand why his heart was beating so strong. And they can't understand how he's still alive today. They just... They said to us he should have died six weeks ago. So they gave us six weeks, but this is week nine. So... And he continues to get stronger and stronger. What would you like to say? What would you like to say? Um, about child is dead for mum. Um, he saved his life. Yes, that's it. He saved Jiddu's life, didn't he? Yeah. Okay. No more. <laughs> <laughs> you want to? You don't have to. But would you like to share what was said in the room? <laughs> you don't have to? No, no, I don't mind. Okay, um, good. Yeah. Rabi would go on about forgiveness. And he went on about forgiveness when he was praying over Noah. So there's a lot of um, bickering in my family. There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of unforgiveness, you know, between siblings and between people that come into the house from the outside. And, you know, there's a lot of trouble and... Um, the first thing Ravi said was you all need to stop fighting you need to stop letting Satan into your home you need to stop the biggering and you need to start to forgive so um, I think I'm a work in progress I think for 12 months I didn't come the 2022 was a very difficult year for um, for our family so my sister was diagnosed with breast cancer so she had both her breasts removed and then dad got sick and then after dad got sick probably a week later um, my marriage ended so this was all last year so when I contacted Rabi I wasn't in a very good way it was like do something because it's not going to end good but there's always light you know I've, I've had to put my trust in in Jesus and I should have went to him first that's the one thing I can say that's the biggest lesson that I've learned is I can't leave him last as my last resort. He always has to be my first resort. And that's the biggest lesson I learned. <laughs> High five. is Jesus uh, there's a lesson there she said something very important don't leave Jesus to the end mm -hmm. when I was in the hospital room I sat there for 10 minutes in silence and they're looking at me like are you gonna say something <laughs> and I had to hear from the Holy Spirit because it's a matter of life and death. And Jesus doesn't step over the authority of his word. They're together. 
Every situation is different. There has to be discernment and wisdom. But the Holy Spirit showed me that there are devouring wolves devouring all each other in the family. And his heart couldn't cope with it. And he's got sick. And it was interesting. I hope you don't get offended. But I'll say it how it is. The Holy Spirit showed me that they were crying out of the heart of Satan. They were crying out of division, out of separation. They were crying for Jesus to intervene where there is hatred, bitterness, pride. And that's how you cry to Jesus from the heart of Satan. <coughs> that's a mockery. And I'll share this with you, how it is, because there's no need for me to water any message down. The Holy Spirit showed me that when you hold on to unforgiveness, that word unforgiveness, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shallow word. For you to get to that place, it's deeper than you think. For you to enter a place where there's unforgiveness, there's a build-up of pride, bitterness, resentment, jealousy, envy, hatred, slander, gossip. You have to see that word unforgiveness very shallow. It's very shallow. For you to get to that place, the roots are deep down. And the Holy Spirit said that to me, that you're crying from the heart of Satan to Jesus until they repented and they acknowledged that Jesus can come and deal with this situation in their hearts the Holy Spirit healed him and I saw clearly that he'll move from strength to strength and he showed me that isn't it sad not regarding his family isn't it sad that when one person who's old doesn't know how to deal with pain the heart takes the, the blows and the hits. But Jesus came to bring love back to the family because that is Christ. Make no mistake. That is Christ. Love is Christ. And we've all entered places in this dimension or this area in our life. But just learn. Unforgiveness, it's a shallow word. For someone to get to that place, their roots of bitterness, pride, hatred, envy are deep down. Can you understand? I forgive you, it's a shallow word. For someone to get to that place of continuously being bitter, which turns into unforgiveness, which turns into division or turns into isolation, the roots are deeper. And the Holy Spirit was dealing with those roots that God is love. Whoever lives in God lives in love. They're together. God doesn't operate outside of love because that is the cross. I have to share that with you. I have to share that. It's important. The word, I forgive you, and for a person to continue saying, this is not about the family now, and this is for everyone here. For a person to continue continuously be offended, 
or for a person to continuously to be hurt or for a person to continuously be sensitive for a person to continuously keep away from someone the roots are deeper than you think it's not just a word I forgive you your foundation is not Jesus your foundation unfortunately is the enemy because that's what attracts every disease every pain every arrow that he strikes the believers with so I want you to see something deeper I forgive you for a person to continuously go through those cycles he's a magnet to be attacked by the enemy and warfare and attacks doesn't leave that person because the only way we overcome evil is with good and that is it that is the truth so think about it like this all the all the attacks of the enemy that allows Satan to, to destroy a person it's not just the word I forgive you or let's make peace your foundation it's not Jesus I hope you don't get offended but it's the truth for someone to be in a cycle of continues to be offended overly sensitive always hurt always looking for something to put it on someone the foundation it's not Jesus because Jesus doesn't operate like this neither do his believers the foundation is deeper than you think so the Holy Spirit always goes to the roots and isn't it interesting that the only thing they asked the, Jesus, um, the disciples asked Jesus Lord teach us to love so we can forgive you would think they'll pray for faith to raise the dead. <laughs> you would think they'll pray for faith to supernaturally go to places. They prayed for faith to forgive. <laughs> you have to forgive 70 times 7. Lord, teach us. Teach us the most important thing. The most important thing that Jesus touches is the most important thing Satan keeps busy on allowing you to be offended allow you to be hurt allow you to to think suspicious regarding someone you see the very thing that Jesus helps you with is the very thing that Satan wants to keep you in bondage to and you start to see why is everyone suspicious why are they thinking evil about someone why they're always distant from someone why they're always hurting or attacking someone in their heart because the very thing that Jesus wants to help you with teach us to love it's a teaching is the very thing that Satan keeps on so busy attacking your mind because of your heart so for someone to hate for someone to gossip for someone to separate for someone to do all these things the foundation is not Jesus and you will attract every attack to you anything that is influence from Satan will stick to your heart because the only way we overcome evil is with good and who is good Jesus Christ so a lot of people come to me I'm getting attacked Satan is attacking my thoughts Satan is attacking me through this person I'm telling you nothing can stick to you nothing can attack you if your heart is love Jesus will defend you. 
The Bible even says that when you walk with Jesus and God is pleased with your path, He makes your enemies make peace with you. Who is an enemy? Who is an enemy? Your own self. That's what the Bible says. Think about thoughts only to build each other up, not to tear anyone down. And isn't it sad that we tear people down because we're not loved enough? Rejection. Where favoritism. Isn't it interesting that most of these things start from pain? And you learn something very important here, that every path of pain you can bring it to Jesus. Because no family, no child, no blessing can ever fix that but Jesus himself. And when you know this, you won't go to anyone else but Jesus to fix that. Because imagine you're not fixing that place, you'll demand it from everyone. And you'll always be like, that person owes me something. I'm telling you, most trouble is that person owns me something. He owes me something. Because that void is open. It hasn't been healed from the Lord. So you seek it naturally from man or the things of the world. I just felt to share that the foundation is not I forgive. The foundation, it's not Jesus. Make no mistake. I meet people continuously offended, continuously sensitive, continuously hurt, continuously isolated, continuously uh, troubled, the foundation, it's not Jesus. Because every attack of the enemy, the enemy will be attracted to your heart. And that is the truth. God is love. Whoever walks in love walks in God. And what does the Bible say? God is perfected in him. That is the truth. It's not how much you know, it's the little that you know and you put it into practice. And believe me, the greatest fruit is love because when you love, God's perfected in you. Nothing perfects you in the whole scripture but the love of God. And it's an experience. You will experience the opposite. <coughs> it's not that I, I love you. You would experience people trampling on you, taking advantage of you, hurting you, doing the very things that you're sensitive to. Jesus allows it to happen to, for you to become bulletproof. Because if you can't stand against man, you can't stand against Satan. And that is the truth. I went to pray for a lady. I felt I'll flow with this. I went to pray for a lady. She had. Uh, I got called from a person here. She's not here. No, it's not here. I got called to go to Westmead Hospital two years ago. And the lady, she was getting three stents put into her heart. And she had. Um, uh, she had lymphoma cancer. Lymphoma cancer. And um, 
I got to the hospital, and believe me, the greatest work is outside here. Like here, we learn how to be equipped so we can go outside. But the greatest work that I've seen for the Lord is outside. And I got to the place, and they're getting ready for her to put a um, stent, three stents in. I don't know if I said it right, but I think so. So she had blocked arteries. So I got to the place, and the Holy Spirit said, you preach here one hour about the cross and about the love of God. So she's in the place getting prepared to get operated on. I'm in the, in the room where they prepare to get operation. And I said, sorry to the doctors. <laughs> I said, sorry, I have to stay with her one hour. They said, excuse me, she's booked in for an operation. <laughs> word for word. But Holy Spirit told me that I have to stay with her one hour and preach, bring a foundation of the cross and the love of God together. So I said, excuse me, uh, I need one hour with her. Uh, she's close to me and I need to tell her something very important before this operation. And then they waited for me. They sat on the side. They didn't go. They sat on the side. <laughs> they end, believe me, they ended up getting out. <laughs> they ended up, they heard Jesus, and Jesus is your healer, each one of them. <laughs> because they're a God unto themselves, unfortunately. And I don't say it in pride. They're a God unto themselves. And I preached to her, and I said to her something. I said, imagine why you're sick here, but the Holy Spirit told me. I go, imagine you're sick here in this bed is because you've been holding bitterness and unforgiveness all your life. And I go, imagine that is the reason why you're sick. And you have cancer now, and you're crying for Jesus to heal you. I have a witness. I had, a, I had someone here. She's not here today. She, I think she comes on Sunday. She was with me in the room. And I said, imagine you're sick because of all these things. So what's the real issue? That I need to come to Jesus to find refuge and open my heart to him. And I said, do you want to change? And she said, I want to change. And I said, Jesus will heal every place of your heart now. And I prayed. I prayed. And this is the first time it's happened. The Holy Spirit told me to wait until she's finished. So I'm there waiting. Three hours I waited for her. And she come out. And they took her to do a surgery um, to put the stents. She had blocked arteries and the lymphoma cancer. So I prayed for her. She come out. The, all of them are cleared. The stents are cleared, three of them. Then she finished. I stayed with her another half an hour. I preached the blood of Christ for her cancer, for lymphoma cancer. Anyways, she got healed from the lymphoma cancer. All glory to Christ. We do this all for Christ. But I'll just share with you who we are. This is who we are. Jesus doesn't say, you pray to Jesus to heal someone. He's entrusted you to do it. You don't have to ask anymore. The cross is already victorious. You don't ask him anymore. It's something you walk in. It's an authority. You don't have to ask him. It's yours. But... Not for the immature, but I say that humbly. So, so after that, 
they all got saved. The, they all got saved. And the lady who saw it started to come here. And she comes every week here. Anyways, they said, excuse me, can you, can you come to the house? Can you come to the house? And I said, um, sure. So I, I, took, uh, I took Doreen with me. I took Doreen with me to the house. And we're in the car going on the way to the house. And the Holy Spirit showed me that there's a snake operating through her. And please just hear me out, please. And that her heart has become evil. Now, unfortunately, it can happen to anyone. And I say this humbly. So I got to the place. I got to the place. And we opened the door. The first thing the husband said, <laughs> it's me. The first thing the husband said, my wife is so pure. And I said, oh, man. <laughs> I said, oh, man. Why do I always have to be in the firing line? <laughs> Since I started my journey. Uh, anyways. <laughs> Keep it real. I've been in the fire line since I started my journey, unfortunately. But that is the gospel. Paul said, to some you're the sweet aroma, to some you're death. And I share this with you. I got to the place, and he goes, my wife is so pure, I just want to let her know this. And I sat on the table, and I said, sister, come. I come to tell you the truth in love. Please, just receive this. And I said, your heart hasn't changed. And the Holy Spirit said the cancer really hasn't dealt with because it can come back if you don't deal with the cancer of your own heart. And the Holy Spirit showed me that the cancer really hasn't been dealt with because she hasn't identified her heart with Christ. Meaning she hasn't dealt with her character. Where there is pride, there's envy, there's jealousy, there's gossip, there's slander, there's bitterness. Unfortunately, the heart hasn't been identified with Christ. And she said, uh, no, that's not me. I said, yes, it's you. And I said, yes, it's you. Please listen. I was that person. Everyone came from that place. Let's talk truthful. But if you don't identify it, it's a danger. She didn't identify it. Anyways, she said, yeah, I can see what you're saying. I, I, I've done this to all the people around me, and I've, I, have not, I have no friends at all. I just have my family now. So it came out indirectly. Anyways, I come to baptize this lady. As I'm baptizing this lady, a snake come out of her spine, and I never see these things. And the Holy Spirit said what you saw was her foundation. Her foundation, the spine holds your whole body together. She, and the Holy Spirit said, that's her foundation she's been walking in. Snake, serpent, he's cunning, he's shifty, he's suspicious. That's how the devil works. Unfortunately, it can happen to anyone. Anyways, I said, please, can I say this humbly? When I leave this house, don't attack me. And everything that I said, receive it with grace because Jesus wants to work and heal and restore your heart. She said, thank you very much. Anyways, months later, I get a call. The lady's crying. Oh, sorry. Rephrase it. 
seven or eight weeks later, I get a phone call. This lady, she's in remission from that moment that we prayed. Seven, eight weeks later, the friend that comes here calls me and she said, the cancer come back. And she said to me, from the day you left, she didn't stop attacking you and your message. And I'll tell you something, is it about the messenger or is it taking responsibility for your heart? She didn't take responsibility that that's what she's been operating in all her life. And we've all fallen short from the glory of God. That is the truth. But taking responsibility is salvation. It is Jesus Christ. Because how can you receive, repent, how can you receive healing and forgiveness of sins if you don't know what you're operating in? Truth be told. And I said to the, to the lady, listen, if you want me to come back and see her, I will. And then she done whatever she done. I don't know her situation now. But I'm just sharing with you that when a word from the Holy Spirit comes, it's not to expose you or to crush you or to destroy you. It's actually to bring true healing and repentance so you can move on with Christ. And I've never seen a snake come out of a back. I've seen demons spiritually. I've never seen a snake come out of a posture of the back. And the moment I opened the door, not to attack this woman, please. I'm just giving you an experience so you can know. It's interesting what pride does. Pride it has a wall. Don't want to take responsibility. And I've dealt with so much of these things. I don't want to share any more testimonies because I, I had a message to preach. I don't know if I'm going to actually preach it. But I'll just share with you. On the thing about authority, it's coming to the body of Christ. It's coming. The Holy Spirit's been strategically, step by step, preparing the way for us to walk in the kingdom. And it is the truth. We are all going to operate in the kingdom of God by the grace of our Lord Jesus. And it's coming. From all the teaching that you have been seeing coming, I've never spoke about gifts. All I've spoken about is the heart. That's all that matters to Jesus. When the heart is right, anything that's given, it's safe. And God is working in this area. I'm not interested in the hype. I'm not interested in the hype and God's going to do this and he's going to do this. I'm interested in the process of how you prepare yourself to walk in it. And this is what's coming. The kingdom, it's coming. But what's the first principle of the kingdom? What's the first principle of the kingdom? Repentance. So thank you, Jesus, for what he done for Helen and the family. The man's faith is restored back to the Lord. And I salute her for having the bravery to come and speak in front of everyone. You know, uh, the Arab people, us Arabs, we don't even want to share anything with our brother or sister. Because <laughs> we're scared someone will look at us in a different way. So I salute your bravery. And you come in front of everyone and sharing what the Lord Jesus done for you. Hallelujah. This testimony will not be robbed. Okay. So I don't know how I'm going to preach now. I won't keep it long.
But I'm not joking. I'll just keep it short. Did you bring your sleeping bags? <laughs> no, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. So, <laughs> so, so I just want to quickly share here. Can we just go back? I'll share one scripture and I'll close off. Sorry. I feel like I gave... We go to Matthew chapter 14. Hang on a second, let me go back to it. We go to Matthew chapter 14, if we can bring it all up in the, in the NIV, we'll bring it up, whatever, New King James, NIV, the whole chapter, yes please, yes, uh, can we just stop there before we go there, so remember in the scripture before this, before Jesus was on the ship, he talks about the son of man has nowhere to rest his head, You've got foxes, little foxes. We spoke about that they destroyed the vine from the Songs of Solomon. So we're talking about the flesh here and demons. Okay? Please pay attention. So it talks about dealing with the little foxes, dealing with the birds of the air. The birds of the air in Revelation, they're demons that attack our character, personality, and fleshly desires. So Jesus said, I have nowhere to rest my head on the people who haven't dealt with their fleshly nature. Okay. Are we understanding now? So Jesus wants to rest his head. He wants to rest his head on a people that have dealt with their fleshly, rebellious, and sinful nature. And he couldn't rest his head on them because God hasn't dealt with this area of their journey. Right? And you know what's interesting? He's still asleep. He's still asleep at the stern. He's still asleep. He hasn't rested his head yet. He's showing him, I can't rest my head yet on you because you haven't dealt with this area of your life. Can we understand? So this scripture here, Jesus is asleep. He hasn't become the Lord over their lives regarding overcoming the flesh, overcoming their sinful nature, and overcoming their rebellious nature. Are we getting this? So Jesus is asleep, meaning he's not the one who steers their journey. Are we understanding? So Jesus is asleep here. He's showing them that he commanded them in that scripture to cross over. And he's showing them that there is a crossing over that you have to go through to enter into the land of riches. The land of riches is the grace of God. But here, there's an important lesson here. People see it here. What, have the, what, what do the waves represent? What does the wind represent? The Holy Spirit showed me. I'm going to preach it today. Someone will look at this shallow teaching. Oh, of you little faith, why did you fear? What's that word fear mean? Is it, I'm scared? Because if you're reading the Bible for the first time, you'd say, well, why are these people scared? And what is Jesus really coming 
And why did he rebuke it? Is it the wind and the water? Is it the issue? It's deeper than that. So here, Jesus is asleep now. Now the waves, the waves and the wind is symbolic of your sinful nature, your rebellious nature. He's the Lord over their lives. He's in their life now. But they haven't woken him up to deal with this area. Okay, I'll show you in the scripture. So, let's pay attention. When you see this, you say, wow. Wow. That word fearful is only mentioned three times in the New Testament. There's different meanings of fearful. This word fearful is only mentioned three times in the New Testament. And sad to say, I'm sad to say this. This doesn't, I don't mean to apply it to anyone here. But the word fearful is mentioned in Revelation where the people will enter the lake of fire. Now, I'm sorry, I'm no people pleaser here. When I preach the gospel, I preach it to myself first. But I'll tell you something, the scripture speaks for itself. So, he rebuked them. Why are you so fearful? It has a deeper, deeper meaning than you think. And I'll show you here. We go to the Revelations. Well, actually, we go to Matthew. Go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 18 to 27. Now, can I say something to you? Your journey will change when you hear this. Because believe me, humbly I say this, it's better to hear it now. And how God leads me to the scripture, I just have to walk with it. So we go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 18 to 27. And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. So this is something they, have to, they had to overcome. But saying in that, saying this, Jesus is inside of your ship now. Now can I say this to you like this? You can look at it two ways. Jesus is in my ship and I haven't woken him up yet. Not many people operate in this way where they've woken up Jesus to deal with their sinful nature or their rebellious nature or the love for the world. You can have Jesus in your life, but you haven't dealt with that. What does that mean? It means a lot of things. Now, is it common to have Jesus in your life and him not working on this area? No, it's not common. It's not common for a believer to have Jesus as Lord over their life, Savior, and he hasn't worked on this area of their life. It doesn't make sense. It's a deception. Then a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, now this is a teaching. This doesn't happen overnight. And I told you this before. But are you in the path where he's teaching you? I'll follow you wherever you go. Now isn't it interesting? This scripture regarding the ship is, had to do with following. Okay? He's talking about following Jesus. Now you can follow another person, your own flesh. John puts it, the love of the world, the pride of the life and the lust of the eye, they come not from the Father, they come from the world. 
So you can follow another person that's yourself. And that's the truth. This scripture, read it in context. He's saying we've got to cross over and he's talking about following Jesus now. Now I'll give you a clear example. When it comes to following Jesus, there's only one explanation to walk in the kingdom of God. One explanation. The first stage is repentance. Next scripture. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes. We, we describe this in the Songs of Solomon, that the little foxes destroy the vines. He's talking about the, the step after you get saved. What is it? Babe, little children, you have little foxes you have to deal with. And it's the little things that Satan bounds you by, that doesn't get dealt with, that causes big mountains or places where you're in bondage. So it's the little things that Satan gets you to overlook that becomes foundations where the enemy binds you to the world or to your flesh. Are we understanding? So just like we are babes and little children, there is little foxes, and they come to destroy the vine. Why little foxes? Because as soon as your tree is starting to grow and starting to produce little fruits, the fox comes and peels them off. Just, just at the stage where you're starting to build a foundation of Jesus in your life, repentance and move into that place of maturity, the fox comes. And it's the little things that he makes you overlook that causes you to later down the path be in bondage. Okay, the birds there, we already spoke about it last year, uh, last, year. last week, they are demons and they want to come into your tree. They want to come in your Thought process. So, look what it says here. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now he's saying, when you cross over, I can lay my head on you. Next one, please. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now this is regarding the kingdom of God. And he's showing you what would block you from entering the kingdom. And that is not letting the Holy Spirit deal with this area. Next one. But now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Now he's showing them now in that level of where they are. He hasn't dealt with them yet, and his head was asleep. He couldn't rest on their head where they walk in Jesus Christ. Now it's a process. I say this in love. It's a process, and you can get there. That's why Jesus died on the cross. He gave you authority to not gratify the desires of the flesh, but walk by the Spirit. That's the authority, the true authority that was purchased at the cross. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be? that even the winds and the sea obey him. 
Now, isn't that interesting that when you walk by the Spirit, the flesh has to submit? It has to. And it's true. When you are in the Spirit of God, the flesh naturally submits. Isn't that a danger? And it's the truth. When the flesh is operating and the Spirit is nowhere to be seen working in you. Now, are you ready? I don't think no one would clap for this. The word fearful in this context for everyone who's following on the Esau, the word fearful defines as faithless. Now pay attention, please. We are not here to muck around with our journey. And that is the truth. We are not here to muck around. You're playing with your soul here, and it's eternal. And hear me out, it is the truth. The word fearful defines as faithless, and the word faithless defines as not true to allegiance or duty regarding the kingdom of God. Another meaning means treacherous, meaning unreliable. Are we hearing someone? Please, you'd rather hear it now, because now is the day of your... People are sleeping. Treacherous meaning unreliable, providing insecure footing regarding unrepenting. Now hear me out, please. Not true to allegiance or duty. Let me paint this picture to you. Jesus doesn't save you for you to be the same. He saves you to enter the kingdom. There's no such thing, and I like to say this openly here, there's no such thing as Jesus saving you to become nothing. He saves you to walk in the kingdom. There's no such thing, I don't know how you've received Christ. There's no such thing as receiving Jesus as Lord of your life, healer, deliverer, and you staying the same. He delivers you to work and operate in the kingdom. And that's a natural fruit that gets produced when Jesus really touches your life. But there's no such thing as a person getting saved and doing nothing. Now, is that you? Is that you? Because many years, the Lord worked on my heart, renewed my mind, healed me, restored me, gave me a new identity, but under no circumstance do I become worldly again or become just a Christian. It's your people of the way. They were identified as the people of the way. So I'm sorry to say it like this. Jesus doesn't save you just for you to come here. He saves you to change the world. But first you have to change yourself with the Holy Spirit. And I, I say it now, please take this serious. Now, the word fearful defines as faithless. The word faithless means not true to allegiance or duty. You have no duty. No responsibility. You do have a responsibility. You do. A great responsibility. Every believer here. Treacherous meaning unreliable. Providing insecure footings. Unrepenting. Providing insecure port. Foundation is not strong. You have a responsibility out of this whole message. You have to see, have I repented? 
Is my foundation strong, my identity, and so on? You start to see here, marked by hidden dangers, things not brought into the light, where you haven't allowed Christ to help you overcome these things. He can't help you from something that you haven't identified. Now, please, I'll tell you the truth. It's very important you know this. It says here, marked by hidden dangers, keeping things hidden inside, hazards and perils in the character of your heart. Next one is a very powerful one. This is regarding why are you fearful. Are you ready? The next word means disloyal. Disloyal to Jesus. Regarding what? How can anyone here be disloyal to Jesus? It's regarding the kingdom of God. I'm not loyal to working in his kingdom now. You know, Paul says it like this. With the help that you receive from the Lord, help others. That is the ripple effect of true salvation in our hearts. And it's the truth. Now, disloyal meaning showing an absence of allegiance, devotion, obligation, faith or support. Can we go quickly to James chapter 1 verse 8? You can't be disloyal to, to Jesus and his kingdom without something else replacing it. You have to know something has replaced it. Something has taken that place where Jesus is meant to operate in. Can you understand? You just don't let go of something and do nothing. You let go of something for what your heart desires. So read the scripture here. James chapter 1 verse 8. We go to the New Living Translation. Now we read this here. One, one doesn't turn, around, turn against the kingdom of God if there isn't something else that's replaced it. Something has to replace it. You can't just become this person without something else fulfilling it or taking its place. Now you read it here. It says their loyalty is divided between God and the world. They are unstable in everything they do. Now this here, why are you fearful? Jesus wanted them to cross over to the land of riches, which symbolized the kingdom of God. To seek and save the lost, to bring repentance, to bring healing and deliverance, you start to see, but I'm not there. There's a reason why you're not there. Probably you haven't been informed, or you haven't been prepared, or this is something new to you. But let me tell you something, now you've heard it. You've heard it now. Do something. Because each one of us has a responsibility. And that is true salvation. When you get touched, you cannot stop. You have to help. You can't help yourself. Now, the word disloyal, okay? There is something else that's replaced it. The Bible says, wherever your heart is, there your yeah, and the truth is, when I started my journey, I had different treasures that weren't Jesus Christ. And it's the truth. It's okay. But I was there. But I'm not there anymore. And isn't it interesting 
how patient Jesus Christ is with us. Showing his absolute patience with us. Not wanting anyone to perish. He doesn't want. He wants everyone to come to repentance. And, the, and Paul says that God demonstrated the uttermost patience of Jesus Christ. Showing what he can do through the sinner of the sinners. Paul. He's so patient. But are you in the process? The next word for the word fearful is untrustworthy. Are we listening, someone? I hope I'm not preaching to myself. This is a hard message. It is the truth. Untrustworthy. Now, let's say you tick every uh, area of this place. There's hope for you as long as you want to change. The greatest lie you can believe is I don't need to do this. The word testifies for itself. Now, 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 this is something important, and the Holy Spirit wanted me to speak about this. The word untru untru uh, untrustworthy is a faithless tool. Not dependable or worthy of confidence. Now, this is a big one in the body of Christ, this one itself. Not dependable, not dependable or worthy of confidence. Now, who feels here that they are worthy of confidence to represent Jesus Christ? Who has felt that in their journey? They're not worthy to represent Jesus Christ on this earth. They're not worthy. They're a faithless tool. Now, you don't have to put your hands up, but I'm just showing you. The greatest deception is the enemy makes you believe that you're not worthy to represent Jesus Christ on earth. You know, the Bible says that you've been ransomed by Jesus. That word there. Another word, it's least. You've been leased from heaven. That's how important you are to Christ. Every one of you. But it's the truth. I, I, that's how important you are to Christ. Every one of you. What does that tell you? The, the, the eagerness that I need to have in my heart, the urgency that I need to have in my heart to become this person. So let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 to 19. I said I'm preached for 20 minutes and I don't know what happened. <laughs> I think this message is important. Please, I say this humbly, receive this because it is the gospel. I don't believe we need to keep speaking about salvation for the, for the, for, for the past eight, nine years. We're saved. 99% of the people here are saved. We need to have now responsibility. Now we go to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 to 19. Now look what it says here. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy appointing me to his service. That word is ministry. Now who appoints you? I'm telling you something. When you know who appoints you, you won't move before your time, but you'll know where the authority comes from. He appoints you. Now, there is wisdom in moving in the right time, but Jesus appoints you. Now, imagine what Paul was feeling, murdering Christians. I don't know what he felt because I've never done that. 
But just think how much of God's grace was on him. He wrote the whole book of grace in the New Testament because he received that revelation for himself. But just look at the freedom he had and look how he treated the grace of our Lord Jesus with the uttermost respect that I'm going to represent you on earth. And it is the truth. What a lie when you believe there's something else other than Jesus. No one ever speaks about it. But the greatest sin that Satan came down from heaven was pride. But what he enticed mankind with was with compromise. No one ever speaks about it. I wonder why. Compromise is the greatest definition of pride. Because you start to compromise your life with other things other than Christ. And it is the truth. Compromise is Satan's greatest weapon today. Because you welcome things in your heart that's not even from God. And it is the truth. Look what it says here. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was a, once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Here is a trustworthy saying. Now this, this kick-started my journey to walk in the kingdom. This kick-started my journey. This scripture. It gave me hope that I'm not just a number. I'm everything to Christ. Look what it says. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for the very reason I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe him and receive eternal life. Isn't that amazing? That's freedom. It is freedom. That no matter where you are, God can work through you. Next one. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So you begin to see here. Here, the second step here, of Jesus in the ship, he's not speaking about salvation. He's speaking about now, you have a responsibility. Is responsibility part of salvation? Can someone answer this? Please. Is responsibility part of salvation? Yes. Oh, 100% it is. Because Paul said, to the end it fights. That's the true meaning of salvation. The one who tells you, you get saved, you do nothing, He's a liar, you run from him. And it is the truth. The one who tells you you have to do nothing for your heart and cooperate with the Holy Spirit, keep away. And it's the truth. Now the word fearful will go to Revelations. I have to show you this. But don't attack me, please. Please don't attack me. Well, you can if you want. Why would he say that? Why would he say the fearful? Why would he even put it in Revelation? Does a Christian do this? Is a Christian meant to do this? 
Yes, there will be Christians that do this. When Jesus separates the goats and the sheep, there is a truth that they are going to be Christians who have not changed. Is it genuine repentance? Is it genuine salvation? Is it a genuine call to God out of truth? No, it's not. Now look here. I read for you. Three verses of why are you fearful. The other one is Mark's episode of that boat um, episode. Here it's only written in Revelation. Now look what it says here in Revelation 21.5. Then he who sat on the throne said, who's speaking? Who's speaking? Jesus Christ. Then he who sat on the throne and said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Now he's speaking about the new Jerusalem that he's going to uh, make when he rolls up this earth like a scroll. And that will be our final destination, our final resting place, the new Jerusalem. Now look what it says here. These are the words are true and faithful. Next one. And he said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of the waters of life freely to him who thirsts. Now next. Now this is the punchline. What's the punchline? What is the punchline? The crossing over means the overcomer. Okay? You have the Holy Spirit living in you now. God in spirit living inside of you now can we keep him asleep inside of us certainly he who overcomes shall inherit all things and i will be his god and he shall be my son next but the cowardly that word there is fearful so we're reading from the kjv it's all right but the cowardly how does God see a coward? It's not those who's, who are scared of speaking about Jesus, though there's a, there's a little measure in there. The coward is who doesn't change in his heart. And I'll show you here in the scriptures. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all the liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now the Holy Spirit took me here because I'm speaking about a year of little faith. That's how God sees a year of little faith. That the one who doesn't prepare himself for the Holy Spirit to be a stepping stone inside of him, for him to change his heart and for him to detach from the world, it's not genuine. It's not genuine. Can you hear me? It's not genuine. There's no such thing as you getting saved and you operate and remain in your sinful nature. It doesn't make sense in the Bible. So the coward in the sight of God is the one who doesn't wake up Jesus, the one who has authority to change you and to restore all things inside of you, is the one who God sees as a coward. So, let's go to another scripture. When Jesus calmed the storm, I want to show you this. 
We go to Hebrews chapter 4, from 1 to 11, and I'll finish off here. Now, there's three words here of rest. There are three different Greek meanings of the word rest here. I don't want to explain it today, but I just want to show it to you. Okay, are you ready? Please. Can you just get my hard hat from the... Now, look at what it says here. This is Paul preaching now. This is from the book of Hebrews. Now, there's a treasure. The Holy Spirit showed you this today, and I have to show it to you. Because it shows us the urgency, but also a heart that is true to work with him. Now, look what it says here. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Now, there's a warning here. And there is a reward. Two. Next one. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as, a, as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Next one. For he who have believed do enter that rest as he has said. So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those in whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Now we're getting somewhere here. Can you go back to this place? So the first here, it talks about a warning. The first one's exposed. Disobedience. Now can I say something to you? Is it right for a Christian to operate in disobedience? Can we be truthful now? Is it right for a person to continuously remain in this pattern until he sees Christ? Is it, is it true? It's not true. A person has to be transformed because that's what Christ done at the cross. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. Now, look here. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it and those to whom he was first preached did not enter because of, un because of disobedience. Next. Again, he designates a certain day saying in David today, after such a long time as it has been said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Now, pay attention here. What voice is that for? The Holy Spirit locates something here. What is that voice of God regarding touching? Touching disobedient life and touching a hardness of heart. So let's say the Holy Spirit is touching a disobedient heart or a life and the hardness of heart, and you fail to accept this, then your call to God is not genuine. Now, let's keep going. Uh, go back here, please. Go back. Do not harden your hearts. So it's regarding a disobedient life. If you want to read it in context, that's what it means. Next scripture. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterwards have spoken of another day. 
there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Now this is an invitation to the blessings of God. Next. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Okay, are you ready? You ready for this? Now let's be showing me this today. Now the greatest way you can be comforted is by the truth. And it's true. Now there's three definitions of rest. This scripture in 11 talks about let us labor to enter that rest lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Are you ready for this? You ready? Go to the Esau. Go to the Esau of that word rest. Strong's 2663. The word rest in the Greek is defined as kataposis. It's okay, it's good. Kataposis. Guess what that word symbolic as? The calming of the wind. What did Jesus do? He calmed the wind. What does he do here? He calms the wind when you obey and don't harden your heart regarding your disobedient life. Can you see this? Can you see this? Can we get it on the screen? Do we have Esau on the screen? So the word rest there is the calming of the wind. So when you operate with Jesus and let him touch those areas of your disobedient life and the hardness of heart, that word rest means that he gives you the calming of the winds. Your flesh is dealt with. Can you see this, someone? So that word rest is talking about what Jesus done on the ship. That when you operate and you overcome your flesh, God calms the wind of the enemy trying to attack you or influence you through your fleshly nature. And it's a lesson here. You know what lesson it is here? I have a responsibility to change and to work with him. Now the Bible says it's not by might, not by strength, by his spirit. We know this. But what about your doing, your attention? What about your commitment? What about your unwavering desire to become this person? You know what this shows me from this scripture here? That many of the people who believe in Christ are in this dimension. God wants to give you the kingdom. God wants you to operate through his Holy Spirit. But what's the biggest wall and resistance to you entering in that place, you not dealing with your flesh. And let me tell you something. Jesus will never give you something you can't handle. We know this. But what is your greatest desire? Your greatest desire is letting him do the mighty work inside of you. Isn't that true? Something that I've struggled with for years is getting people to see this. Getting to see getting people to see that there is another kingdom inside of you that needs to be dealt with by the Holy Spirit. All your life you were trained to learn and to do and to be this person. When you come to Christ, it must change. 
Now look at this word here. That's the word rest. Thanks for that. Look what it says here. A calming of the... You start to see Jesus wants to calm those winds. You wake him up. Wake him up for what? Lord Jesus, you died for this area of my life in the old nature. Take it from me. You see, you can never overcome something that you can't see. This is the biggest thing that I'm dealing with in the last probably year. You can't overcome something you can't see. Do you know this? You can't overcome something you can't see. Jesus was asleep the whole time. Lord, we're going to sink into the flesh. The sinful nature has taken over me. And then when it gets too much, Lord Jesus, fix me, fix me, fix me. Restore me, restore me, restore me. I don't want to be this person. Until what? Until you hate it. And I'll tell you something, it's the best process. You know why? Jesus invites you into the work of the kingdom. There's nothing greater, no job, no, no physical thing than working for the Lord Jesus Christ. That is my reward, seeing that lady's father healed. That's my reward. Because that's what I'm seeking Jesus for. To see someone healed because of a person's obedience to love Jesus that much. But look at this here. Jesus, you're not steering, you're not at the front. He's sleeping. He wants to put his head on a, on a church, on a body that has dealt with their sinful nature their rebellious nature, the hidden things. So you look at that word fearful, you say, wow, that's pretty intense. Isn't that intense? Isn't that scripture from Revelations 21 intense? Yeah? Yeah? That's what it means. I can't water it down in a way to water it down. That's what it means. It's what it means. Does God give patience? Does God give love? Does God give all the things that you need to walk with him, yes, he does. But are you doing your part as a believer? Why did he say overcomer? Why did he say those who just believed? Why did he say overcomer? Come on, man. Like, are we reading the Bible? Why did he say believe, not overcome? Because there is an attitude that you have to carry towards this world. You can't be influenced by anything else other than his truth. You can't be influenced. The moment you've inf you're influenced, you've compromised. The greatest sin that got Satan down. Not pride, compromise. And you start to see, well, do I carry the truth and only the truth? Is Jesus enough for me? You start to see. You start to see. And it's the truth. Don't play with your life. I say this humbly, every person here, don't play with your life. And I say it humbly. I don't say it to be boastful over you. Don't play with your life because you have to give an account for your life. Don't play with your life. Please don't play with your life. I tell you the truth. Don't play with your life. Get to know Jesus. Spend all the time you want because he will mold you and change you and you would hear him. But don't play with your life. It's the truth. It's the truth. Day by day, enjoy your journey. It is a good journey, but don't play with your life.
you know something when I was reading the gospel this week? I never heard Jesus frustrated. I used to read that like Jesus is invisible. He's untouchable. You know he was frustrated with the people and his disciples in one chapter. And you know what he said? Can I share this with you? I share my heart. Now we go through all types of seasons, but I share my heart with you. You know what Jesus said? He said one major statement. How long do, shall I stay with you? He sa- it took him one day for the cross. One day to allow our names to be written in the Lamb's book of life. He goes, how long do I need to stay with you until you get it while I put you here on earth? You think about that. You think about that. How long do I need to stay with you until you understand? And that was regarding the work of the kingdom. Lord, we brought this demon-possessed boy to you. Your disciples couldn't cast it out. And he says, oh. And, and, and believe me, I say it humbly, we all start there. Pray and nothing happens and whatnot. We've all witnessed this thing. But Jesus said this, how long do I need to stay with you until you understand why you're really here on earth? Set up my family, leave an inheritance for my family, have a luxurious life. Though God gives you everything for your enjoyment, he does. But I'll tell you something, you were designed to represent Jesus on earth. Nothing else. Nothing else. How much of your life you are wasting today because you've compromised with something else other than Jesus. And it's the truth. It's the truth. And that's how Jesus preached, rebuking everyone, every single chapter. And I think to myself, how much of the flesh is in us that has to be exposed to the Holy Spirit to help us overcome? How long shall I be with you until you understand why you've been put here on earth? How long do I need to stay with you until you understand that you were sitting in heavenly places operating from heaven onto earth? How long? And the most beautiful thing about that, he's patient with you, but that's what is designed for you on the earth. We see church today, Sunday, feel good, kickstart the week, it's deeper than that. He's written your book, written all your fruits before the foundation of the universe for you to walk in. Not many walk into it because they haven't went through the process. Are we understanding? Please receive it. Please receive it. Whoever looked at their watches and said, I took too long, the first people I want to pray for. How long shall I be with you? And you know what's interesting? I'll close off with this. No more. That's it. (laughs) Jesus said, how long shall I be with you? He just came back from the mountain where he was seeking the Lord. Seeking the Father, sorry. He just came back from the mountain showing him. Fellowshipping with his Father in heaven. Learning all the treasures of the kingdom. And he came down that mountain and he rebuked them all. And what, what can you learn from this? That the mountain is where God teaches you. The mountain of prayer. He just came back. Why would he write that? He just came back from the mountain. 
showing him where his power, where his strength, where his wisdom, where the authority come from. The secret place, the mountain of God. Everyone has a mountain. It can be your, it can be in the car, it can be in your room, it can be every day. The mountain is wherever you've allowed God to speak and work through you. But he just came back from that mountain where all authority, where all the time with the Father was spent. Hours with his Father, moments with man. Never forget this. Hours with his Father, moments with man. Touch, heal. All those hours with his Father. Imagine what he got fed. Imagine what he got fed. The lesson for us. And every time they're at a mountain, Jesus appears. After his resurrection, before his resurrection, he's always there, showing you that when you spend that time, the vision will be given to you of who you are and what you are to walk in. But just learn from this. Hours with the Father, moments with man. What do we do? I'm going to mentor you three hours. Let's do this task. Let's do this task. Yep, yep, yep. That's how we mentor people today. We don't teach them go to the mountain where Jesus speaks to them. You see how we've become fleshly. Hours with your father, moments with man. Because when you touch, God touch. When you speak, God speak. It's powerful. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for you. Hours with his father, moments with man. We preach the whole scripture, the whole Bible to someone. Jesus says, say this to him. The person gets saved. Don't play with your life, please. Please. Please receive this. Don't play with your life anymore. And I tell you something, that's where the Holy Spirit's working, dealing with the waves and the wind that keep taking you off your, your, your purpose. Believe me, how hard is it to set a sail and the winds and the waves are hitting your ship? Can you not see it? How hard is it to go to your destiny and you have the winds, your flesh, your rebellious nature, the love for the world hitting your ship and you can't go. <laughs> Can you not see? And Jesus is sleeping. Come to me, I'll help you. He brings peace, rest. But how hard is it to see the promised land and the waves and the winds are hitting? You cannot go too far, your, your boat will sink unless you wake up Jesus. Unless you really, really look deep inside of you to work with him in your heart. So this is my prayer today. That you wake up the Lord Jesus Christ to deal with the things that you haven't even seen yet. Don't be afraid, he's with you.
So I pray for each one here today, and it's a, it's a prayer of truth. I pray for you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you're the Lord of our lives. But I pray, Lord, that you deal with the waves and the winds so that we can enter the land of riches, so that we can go to the place that you prepared for us. Thank you, Lord. I pray this prayer, Father, in Jesus' name. This delights your heart that we follow you and we don't compromise with our life. I pray you help us, Lord, by the spirit of grace. Help us. Help us understand so we can see. Open our eyes so we can see. Holy Spirit, open our eyes so we can see how we are to walk with you. Thank you, Jesus. Because when one comes to Christ, the veil is removed. Thank you, Lord. I pray this prayer for every person here that you are woken up to deal with the waves and the winds. Thank you. And that you become the Lord over that ship where you can direct us into the promised land. Thank you that we can work in your kingdom and represent you here on earth. Thank you, Jesus, for everything. I worship you. I give you all the glory for what you've done, for all the miracles you've done. I thank you, Jesus. It's you alone, and I love you for this. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.